Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Nerd of Paradise. I'm your host Kate and this episode is our May the 4th slash Star Wars 40th Anniversary Spectacular. So I know you guys are gonna love it. Star Wars is something that it's sometimes hard to pin down and explain why we love it so much, but we do. And so now with the 40th anniversary, there's just so many memories and stories that we all have about Star Wars. So predominantly this episode is going to be clips from other people and some of their most memorable Star Wars stories. So I hope you guys enjoy it. So before we start, just a brief history about May the 4th itself. By now, I'm sure you know that May the 4th has become synonymous with Star Wars Day because of the silly pun, May the 4th be with you. Star Wars fans seem to love silly puns, so there's that. Um, But I looked it up on Wikipedia, so the history, actually in 1979, which would have just been a few years after the first Star Wars movie was released. Margaret Thatcher took office as the Prime Minister of the UK and her political party, the Conservatives, placed a congratulatory message in the London Evening News saying, May the 4th be with you, Maggie. Congratulations. So that looks like our first documented instance of May the 4th, but it really started taking off in the last decade. So in 2011 was the first organized celebration of Star Wars Day, And that took place in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And then since then, even in 2013, Walt Disney has officially observed the holiday with several Star Wars events and festivities at Disneyland and Disney World. It seems like May the 4th gets more and more popular each year, too. And especially so with the the rise of social media and it seems like even like the more casual fans kind of latch on to May the 4th. But obviously, it's a time for celebration for all of us, even those of us who feel like Star Wars Day is maybe every day. So I thought this would be a great opportunity just to ask some people for some of their favorite Star Wars stories. So we're going to kick things off with a clip from Children of the Force. So you guys have heard from them before on the show, Al, Anna, and Liam. Uh, It was a clip he had on an episode a while back about waiting in line, and it's a pretty good story about his time waiting in line for The Phantom Menace. So it's kind of told in the style of How I Met Your Mother and beautifully produced. So thank you for letting me rebroadcast that, Al. So I'm going to start you guys off with that, and then we'll play some more of the clips that were sent in for this episode. The day was May 18th, 1999, a Tuesday. But hold on, before that, the special releases of episode 4, 5, and 6 came out in 1997, right at the end of my senior year of high school. I went with friends to the nearest town that was playing the movie, Grand Forks, North Dakota, and I saw A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back at the Carmike 10 in Grand Forks. But then the huge Grand Forks flood hit, the one that made national and world headlines. And, well, I didn't get to see Return of the Jedi in the theater because there was no way to get to Grand Forks to see it. The town had been effectively evacuated, and nobody could go there. And, I mean, your mom lived through the flood. Your mom was living in Grand Forks during this flood. So, so me not getting to see Return of the Jedi, big whoop, you know, not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. Of course, I would like to have seen it in the theater, but I didn't, but I did get to see it back in 1983 when it first came out and I was four years old. my family, but of course we went not opening night. There was no movie theater close to us. You know, we just went uh, over, I don't even know, Christmas, I think, in Langdon, North Dakota. And uh, 
Side note, Ewoks were the best thing a four-year-old me could possibly imagine, and I wanted one for a friend. So, the day was May 18th, 1999. A Tuesday. A mere seven and a half months before the big switchover to the year 2000, which was a momentous occasion everyone was looking forward to for sure. But even bigger than that... New Star Wars. A new Star Wars movie. It was an amazing feeling to get in line knowing that in less than 24 hours I was going to be watching a new opening crawl, a new first scene, new characters, new battles. All caps, NEW STAR WARS. It was a chilly 5 o'clock AM. I took the day off working at Ritz one hour photo at the mall. I cleared my schedule. I think I packed a lunch, I don't remember. But I was buying ten tickets. I don't even remember who they were all for now. I know that one was for my brother Neil. Because more than anyone, I think Neil is responsible for our family's love of Star Wars. He was into it, so the rest of us younger siblings were into it too. We all loved space growing up. And I think that was because of Neil. Because of the things he liked. Anyway, I strolled up to the line at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I was probably 20th in line. I brought a lawn chair, I sat down, I think I read a book, I don't remember what book it was, probably something by Kurt Vonnegut or Ray Bradbury, I don't think I'd hit my Vonnegut phase yet, so I think it was probably Bradbury. Anyway, slowly but surely, the line grew and grew. It grew so long that it started to snake around the theater and out of sight. News crews showed up. Terry Doolam, Grand Forks' own feel-good, man-on-the-street, personal-interest reporter, came and interviewed fans. He had many to choose from. There were fans who brought a generator. That's a thing that generates electricity, right? And they hooked it up to a TV so they could watch the original trilogy while they were in line. Now, this was before iPads. This was before watching video on your device. They had They brought a whole TV and... And a generator so they could watch. And a VCR to put their VHS cassette tapes into the VCR to watch the original trilogy. Yeah, yeah, they're like, oh, I'm carrying my TV. Uh, right? In the line? No, 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 oh. I was getting out of line to see the TV. Yeah. Well, you know, I got to know the people in front of me and the people behind me. So if I ever had to leave the line for it a little bit to maybe go talk to someone else in line... They knew that that was me. I was in this spot in line. So I could always come back and I'd be like, hey, I'm back. So I could actually had some other friends in line further down the line. And I could, uh, I could leave my spot every once in a while just to go say hey to them and then come back to my spot. It was a really joyous atmosphere. Everybody was very happy and super nice. So Terry Doolam was interviewing these people. And uh, I think there were some other people uh, playing a Star Wars cards game that may or may not have included Pogs. There were so many fans. And I mean, I knew Star Wars was a big deal. I knew people liked it. But I didn't know that it was normal to like Star Wars. I know that. Uh... I'm glad you think so. I grew up in a really small town in North Dakota, and most of my friends didn't have older siblings. And if they did, those older siblings loved football, basketball, hunting. I lucked out, man. My older siblings, especially my oldest brother, Neil, liked Star Wars and Star Trek and computers. I hit the jackpot. But I never got to play Star Wars with my friends, because most of my friends had never even watched the movies. There were a couple of guys a year older than me, or two years older than me, who I could actually discuss geeky things with, thankfully. I joined them at the University of North Dakota a couple years after graduating high school. And we hung out a lot, we went to a ton of movies, and these two guys were on the receiving end of two of the tickets of the ten that I bought that day. Anyway, the day dragged on. People brought me food, I think. I don't really remember. I mean, this was 16 years ago now so well sure i was in line from five o'clock in the morning until 
midnight, you know, that night, you know. Was, <laughs> yeah, 5 a.m. Oh, yeah. But like I said, it was 16 years ago, so... <laughs> no, like I said, we're only going to be there like a, maybe an hour or two early. We don't have to do this anymore. But this is what I did. And I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it, though. I'm glad I did oh, it. was but it fun? <laughs> it was fun. But like I said, it was also 16 years ago. So please forgive me if my memory is a little bit fuzzy. I mean, I don't even remember everybody I bought tickets for. But the time came. 6 p.m., I think, is when the tickets went on sale. So I was already there for 11 hours. The line got all tense, and everyone started actually carrying where everyone else was standing. A young woman seemed to have cut in line ahead of me, and someone actually threw an empty soda can at her. It got really... It got really nasty. It got kind of gross for a few minutes, to tell you the truth. The, the ugly side of Star Wars fandom reared its head, even before people started getting all nasty about the prequels. Because everybody thought they were going to love the prequels, because everybody wanted their childhood back. That's why we were there. Our childhood. We wanted it back. We wanted to reclaim our childhood. So a bunch of adults stood in line for 12 hours. To see Star Wars. Because we want to be kids. We want to feel like we did when we were kids. So I persevered. I bought my tickets. And immediately got back into line. Because I wanted good seats, you see. Now, most people didn't have cell phones in 1999. Thankfully, Neil had one, and he let me borrow it. I called him once I had the tickets, and he came and took my spot in line while I went home and showered and ate a meal, which was probably just a microwaved burrito, which is what constitutes a meal in college. I gave Neil his ticket before I left, but I kept the rest of the others, the other nine tickets, for the people who I was going to give them to. I distinctly remember driving in my old busted-up LTD down Columbia Avenue thinking to myself, if you get into a car crash and die right now, not only will you not get to see The Phantom Menace... You will also prevent your friends from seeing it on opening night. Drive carefully. That's literally what he thought. That is what I thought. I thought to myself, don't crash. Don't crash, because then you won't get to see the movie. <laughs> but that will just... You'll just keep thinking about that, so you might actually, actually yeah. crash. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah, right. Well, I was very focused on my driving, while this little voice in the back of my head was saying, don't crash, don't crash, don't crash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, another reason <clears throat> you should have thought in your head is because I don't want to die. <laughs> I know. That's why it's funny. Because <laughs> really, I should drive carefully all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And I do. I do, but... No, you don't. Mm, well, you usually. Yeah, I usually do. But as you know, I made it back to the theater in one piece. And I waited in line for a few more hours until probably 10 or 11 o'clock p.m. They let us in, and we sat down in that small theater that I didn't realize was a small theater at the time, with non-stadium seating and a modestly-sized screen I didn't realize was modestly-sized. And we waited. Small. Not small, but not big. Not a big screen. Big medium. Yeah. I didn't realize. I thought it was a big screen. I, hadn't, I didn't know any better. I'd never been to a big theater with a big screen. Now that's pretty much all we go to. And we waited. I brought my Entertainment Weekly with Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson and Jake Lloyd and Natalie Portman on the cover. And I read it as we waited. Do you want to see it? I have it right here. You do? This is the magazine that I read. I'll put a photo of this magazine up on childrenoftheforce.com. Anakin, I know. Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon Yep. I can tell. Look, there's the Entertainment Weekly articles. This, these are the articles that I read as I was waiting in that theater. There is something that I think is really funny. What? Um, Jar Jar? <laughs> well, I think Jar Jar is funny, yes. But something in here. It says... Uh, it says that anybody who's looked at the soundtrack titles, 
knows Qui-Gon Jinn winds up on the wrong end of a lightsaber. So will Neeson's stoic pilgrim be back in some spiritual form in episode two, the way uh, Obi-Wan was in, epi- in, uh, in the first sequels? The first sequels, that's interesting. The original trilogy, they mean. I really can't say, is what Neeson said. But I'm going to make sure my passport is up to date. So he did. I don't even think he knew at the time, right? But people, a lot of people thought Obi Wan was going to come back as a ghost, right? Which eventually does happen in the Clone Wars. Qui Gon Jinn, yes, sorry, yeah, that's what I meant. So it was really fun to to read through inside Star Wars, the stars, the creatures, the crew, um, and uh, and I read that in the theater as we waited. Waited and waited and waited. Mm-hmm. The theater was electric with excitement. It was buzzing. People were so happy to be there. I just talked to my friend John last week on the phone for the first time in probably four to five years. He was one of the older friends who I mentioned, uh, who I was able to geek out with when I was a kid. I asked him what he remembered from that night because he was one of the people, you know, who I gave the tickets to. And he said that one of his favorite memories was that when the lights dimmed, and the theater got quiet, he could hear the sound of multiple beer cans being opened at the same time. He said he just heard like a wave of beer cans opening. Uh, Because Grand Forks is a college town, and the majority of the people in that theater were in college and probably drank too much. Uh, I, I drank too much when I was in college too, but not on this night. You don't want to get drunk in the movie. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Right, this was a Star Wars night. And I wanted nothing to do with beer. Drinking a beer in the theater would have made it impossible for me to recapture my childhood. My childhood had nothing to do with beer. This was Star Wars. Pure Star Wars. Nothing would sully it. So the lights dimmed and everyone became silent. Then the trailers played. But after the trailers... The lights dimmed even more, and everyone got really quiet. Then the 20th Century Fox logo played. And there were some cheers. It was starting... The Lucasfilm logo appeared, and people cheered some more. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away appeared, and people cheered some more. And then there was black. 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 Star Wars in big yellow letters, and the theater exploded! Opening crawl, opening pan from a starfield down to a ship. The word Padawan. Two Jedi in their prime. Lightsabers. Battle droids. An angry queen. Sniveling villains. Did that... Did he just push that lightsaber through a metal door? What? It was all happening. I was watching for the first time this thing that I knew I would watch so many more times. This thing I knew I would eventually share with my children so many times. And about ten minutes into this movie, the unthinkable happened. One second, and I don't remember the actual second of the movie it was, we were watching The Phantom Menace, right side up front to back, and then flip. We were watching it upside down and backwards. A reel, because remember, movies used to be played on film reels. A reel had been rolled from front to back instead of back to front. So we went from 10 minutes in to instantly 20 minutes in playing backwards. And all of a sudden there's upside down C-3PO talking backwards to upside down Anakin. It was madness. The theater erupted in booze. I shielded my eyes and I plugged my ears and I said, no, no, I don't want to see any of it. And they turned the lights up and shut the film off. 
We all shuffled out into the lobby, everybody grumbling under their breaths. Some not grumbling quietly at all. Some swearing. Some swearing, some saying things loudly. And now remember, this is past midnight already. I'd been up since about four o'clock in the morning, and I don't remember feeling the least bit tired. The theater gave us coupons for free tickets as an apology while we waited in the lobby for them to correct the mistake. I got back in line several times and got many tickets. It's one of the reasons I was, as a poor college student, able to see The Phantom Menace six more times in the theater. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have got back in line more than once, but eh, then nobody seemed to care. The theater was very apologetic, and I took advantage of it. So after about 20 minutes or so, they let us back into the theater, and they started it over from the beginning. And that's the story of how I got to be one of the first people in the world to see the first ten minutes of The Phantom Menace twice. Win. Years and years later, I would recount this very story to your mother. As I told her this story, her face lit up, and she looked at me with focused eyes, almost as if I was making up something unreal. And that's because she was in the same theater. A couple years before we even met each other, we were in the same room, watching The Phantom Menace for the first time. Together. Sort of. Sort of together. Anyway, the movie ended, and I was floored. I saw it six more times. The last of those times was the last ever showing of The Phantom Menace in that same theater. Opening night and the last showing of closing night. I even stayed until the end, hearing the Darth Vader breath and everything. Have we watched all of the credits in The Phantom Menace? At the very end of the credits, you just hear... Yeah, I think we have. Yeah. Yeah, we have. Yeah. So that was the story of going to see episode one. Now, episode two, The Attack of the Clones, uh, I saw at that same theater in Grand Forks. It didn't get there quite as early, so we were maybe 30 people further back in line. This time, I had company in the form of your Uncle Matt. We hung out in the hatchback of his Festiva because it was kind of cold outside. That was May 15th, 2002. We bought a few extra tickets for friends. One of those friends was also my girlfriend. We'd been going out for exactly three months on that day, and we didn't know it then, but it was actually the second of many, many times we would watch a Star Wars movie together. Eventually, we would even watch these Star Wars movies with our kids. Mommy! <laughs> mommy! Mommy! <laughs> I love my mommy! <laughs> uh, me too. Now, I don't remember, I don't really remember that much about seeing Attack of the Clones. I do remember liking it. I remember walking out of the theater thinking that it was better than The Phantom Menace, that I liked it a lot more. And now when I look back on it, I think I actually like The Phantom Menace more, but at the time, Attack of the Clones just kind of seemed better to me. I really liked the Obi-Wan story, uh, where he's going to Kamino and all that stuff. Um, I don't know. It's hard to hard to rank them. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. kind of hard to tell which one's better. Yeah, I yeah. I think the Phantom Menace is better. You like the Phantom Menace better, Liam? Yeah, I, I think, think Attack of the Clones is a little bit better. My favorite, my favorite, my favorite thing in Attack of the Clones, mm-hmm. watching, well not watching, but like playing video games on, is the arena battle. Oh, the Genos and arena battle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a good level. So, episode three... Revenge of the Sith. Now, your mom got advanced tickets on the day of release. That was May 18th, 2005. The theater that we went to was just closer to her work, and I think she got them on the way home. There was no line. She didn't have to wait in line or anything. Um, We were living here in St. Paul. We were living in this house that we're in right now. And we saw it at the Regal Egan Theater here in the Twin Cities, right by where your grandpa lives now. Uh, It's the same theater that we saw Tomorrowland in. So your mom and I went to Revenge of the Sith together, Wednesday night at midnight, May 18th, 2005. Just a year and a few weeks before you were born, Anna. So, mommy and I saw all three prequel movies in the same theater together, even though we didn't know it the first time. And I can't wait to add to these stories in the coming years with you kids, and your mom, and my siblings. Matt, my brother who waited in line with me for Attack of the Clones. He's coming to The Force Awakens on opening night with us. Your mom, she'll be there. We'll all be there. 
the friends and family that I saw Star Wars with in the past, they'll be at their own theaters. Maybe not on opening night, but they're going to go. And they'll all want to talk about it. It's going to be a cultural moment. A moment so many people will be able to talk about together. And going with you two kids, going to this movie with you two, is something that I feel so lucky that I can do. And so fortunate. And I'm just, it's something that I, I just, uh, I really, really appreciate it. And I really, you guys are the, you know, the light of my lives. And, you know, you're going to be experiencing this with, with me. And I'm going to be experiencing it with you. And you're going to watch this movie so many times. But you'll always be able to remember that first time that you watched it. And it's always going to be this special thing where you went with your family and created these these moments. And you're going to be able to talk about seeing it with your friends. And it's such a it's such a piece of me. And I think it's a piece of you. And it's these stories that tell us who we are as people and how to be a person who has hope and how to be you know how to how to think about good and evil when i think about it star wars actually helps me live a little bit helps you live a little bit star wars yeah it tells us it tells us stuff star it's not just good it tells well it's good it like in a really like it's so cool and stuff and Mm -hmm. it looks really good and it is really good well, that's not just the thing. It's also good because it it helps you learn. All right. Thanks again to Elle, Anna, and Liam for your lovely Star Wars story. Now we're going to jump across the pond over to the UK and hear what Mark Newbold has to say. I've been very lucky uh, in that I'm uh, a sort of a Generation 1 Star Wars fan, so I've been a fan since 1970, well, 78 really, because it didn't come to the UK really until 78, London got it in 77, um, but I think I was one of those kids that got into it really early, um, like all my mates, but the rest of them grew up and got married and had kids, and I got married and grew up, but never really got out of Star Wars, so I've got a lot of cool memories, a lot of them are mega personal, um, sort of personal to me, because I think every... Star Wars fan has got their own Star Wars journey, which always sounds pretentious, but it's true. And I've learned it's increasingly true as the years go by, especially with Celebration, sort of bringing that home to everybody. So a specific Star Wars memory um, that I would put above everything else, I guess I would say it's one of two. I'm cheating here. It's one of two. It's either having the opportunity to interview Irving Kirshner back in 2007 and spending a good sort of 30 minutes chatting to the great man you know, directed my favourite Star Wars film, Empire Strikes Back. That was very special. That was something I never thought would happen. Um, another very close one happened only a few days ago as we speak. Never, ever thought I'd get to see John Williams conduct Star Wars music live. Um, and I was there in the hall for the 40th anniversary panel at Celebration Orlando. And quite happy to admit I cried like a baby. And if there's any photographs out there of me blubbing away, then feel free to share i'm quite proud to say that it uh, it really got to me i think playing princess leah's theme was amazing but then to hear the main march and the imperial march the main theme rather than the imperial march was just something else really was something else so they would be that would be right up there um and also i guess the first time and the only time as we speak really that that i went to skywalker ranch um four years ago now 2013 managed to visit as a guest of David Accord from Skywalker Sound, me and James, who I run Jedi News with, um, were fortunate enough to, to go to the ranch and have a tour, see some of the amazing rooms and you know, parts of the building, and, but just to be there. Um, my mate Paul Bateman said, you know, when you get there, just take a deep breath and do a 360 and just think, well, this is where it all really happened. Not where it started, but, but where it happened, you know, the most part, and... You know, to have the opportunity to do that and take it in and see the house and we lunched there which was cool you know it was just amazing it was sort of two hours that well, it can never be replicated because it was the first time you can't have the first time again but but it was amazing so I would say one of those three that's a complete fudge and there's there's loads of other great moments you know meeting amazing people I think friendships 
is what makes Star Wars so special. You know, you get to meet great folks at, you know, at conventions, be it celebration or stuff here in the UK or in the States. And because of social media, which can be a blessing and a curse, but one of the blessings of social media is you can easily keep in touch now with, with these great friends. And every couple of three years, yeah, you know, if you're lucky enough, you can get over there and, and meet up with them. Or, you know, or, or maybe those conversations are held mainly by a Skype on podcasts like this. It doesn't really matter. Um, I think that's one of the treats of Star Wars. And, you know, I'm, I'm 40 years into my Star Wars fandom now and plan- not planning on getting out of it anytime soon. And uh, I think it's the one thing that keeps me coming back is just meeting new people and and working on those old friendships. But as I say, seeing John Williams interviewing Irving Kirshen and going to Skywalker Ranch, I say they're, they're my magic moments. You, you can pick the favourite one because I don't think I can pick one out of those three. All right. Thanks so much for contributing, Mark. Those are some great stories. And listeners, we have a lot more stories to get to, so stay with us. This is the Everyday Fangirl, Patty Hammond, and I am going to share my Star Wars story for the 40th anniversary. I saw Star Wars in 1977 when I was six years old. My mom won four tickets from a local TV station here in Detroit. The theater that she won tickets for was over 20 miles away, and back then, with the freeway system not being what it is today, that trip took over an hour. Normally... We would not make a trip in the car for that long just to see a movie. However, my dad is a big science fiction fan, and we had to go despite the long drive. Dad was not only excited to see the film, but when we came out of the theater, he remarked, Mark my words, this movie will become a classic. Boy, did he predict that one right. Thanks again, and have a great day, and may the force be with you. Okay, so I probably have about two interesting stories that I would like to share with you guys. Um, first of all, I'm Oliver. I'm probably Camilo who's already said that, or Kate, or Queen of Droids, or one of her many um, nicknames. But anyway, yeah, so one of the memories that I have from Star Wars was the very first time I saw Star Wars, obviously, <laughs> and that would be Empire Strikes Back, and that's the oldest memory I have from me watching Star Wars. The oldest memory I have from that is that I saw or I remember seeing the town towns coming out of the snow. That's it. But the thing that I remind that I remember the most is that while I was watching the town towns coming out of the snow, I just bursted laughing for no reason. I was probably like seven or eight, so I honestly don't even know why I was, you know, laughing. I probably you know, thought they were funny, I guess. But that's like the oldest memory I have from me watching Star Wars. Um, it's pretty odd, I know. But I don't know. I guess I found the Tom Toms funny. Uh, apart from that, a really cool memory that I have as well is that one. When I was in Ireland, I got to meet um, uh, Jamie, which is a guy who runs a podcast alongside uh, the Queen of Droids here. And they both have this really cool podcast called Blah Blah the Hot. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so it's a cool memory because I met him on the on the queue for, um, what's, the, what's the name again? Ah, oh, Jesus Christ, I always forget. Uh, Force Friday, yes, uh, the one leading to The Force Awakens. And Jamie was just walking down the street interviewing people, and I was like, hey, interview me or something like that, or I think he approached me or something, and he asked me, I don't know, something about, of the queue or whatever. I honestly don't remember very well, but I do remember that that was the first interaction I had with Jamie. And of course, you know, we became really good friends and, you know, Star Wars and everything um, brought us together. So, yeah, those are two really cool memories I have from, you know, Star Wars. The first time I saw it as a child, laughing about the town towns and meeting Jamie. And that, of course, led up to meeting you, um, Queen of Droids. So, yeah, uh, may the Force be with you and may the Fourth as well. So, yeah, bye. Hi, my name is Rob Williams. Uh, I'm one of the hosts of the Generation X-Wing podcast. Yeah, my Star Wars story uh, starts off in 1985, I think. Hey, no, 1984. I was in grade five and uh, way back in Happy Valley Elementary School in Victoria, B.C. I'm not kidding. That was the name of my school. Um, We were doing paper mache and I had just finished seeing Star Wars uh, Return of the Jedi. I was junky, had all all the toys and action figures, uh, read Rusty Miller's 
trivia book from cover to cover, learning everything about Wedge and all that sort of stuff. And uh, we made paper mache masks. Uh, I decided, well, I'm going to do Rees. Uh, if you don't know who Rees is, <laughs> and you probably do if you're listening to this, uh, three-eyed, long-mouthed, goat-headed gran who just jumps and leaps around in the background uh, while the rancor is trying to chew Luke away, and he's behind mugging C-3PO, and he's just there. He's a favorite of mine. For some reason, as a kid, I just kind of liked his weirdness, something about this big, giant, goat-headed guy. And even the action figure was really cool. It's one of my, still one of my favorite action figures. I still have it. And uh, so I made him Reese mask. Kind of doesn't look a lot like him. It was a big, giant oval head, but it did have the big ears. It did have the big, long mouth, and it did have three long eyes sticking out of its head. Um, but I loved it, and uh, I kept it. Fast forward to grade six, Mr. Bahana's grade six friend, uh, grade six class, and uh, he has a costume contest. Well, not a contest, just costume party, and uh, he encourages people to dress up like their favorite book character. Um, <laughs> I people were dressed up as Huckleberry Finn, people dressed up as Raggedy Ann Nandy. I decided to pull out the mask off the wall because it's been on my wall in my room <laughs> for a whole year. And uh, I decided to go as Reese. I popped on a brown sweater, uh, this purplish, purplish uh, track pants I just happened to have, uh, big giant gumboots, uh, slather up some red paint for my hands and just tuck my knuckles in like I just had stubby little fingers and uh, pose for the picture and I was Reese. <laughs> Not a single kid knew who I was and I'm trying to explain to them, I'm Reese, and they have no idea who the, who I am, but I didn't care. I got, I have to say I'm probably the first kid to ever cosplay as Reese, and uh, I am, I got pictures of it so if you want to see it, it's up on our, on our Facebook page on Generation X Wing uh, podcast and I, I love it, and I, I had to get rid of the mask because, unfortunately, it was just going bad. I tried to cut the mask in half to make it look more like his head, but it just, ah, well. And when you're, when you're a teenager, <laughs> yes, I was a teenager when I was fooling around with this stuff, I, sometimes you have great ideas and they go bad. But, you know what, I still treasure that picture of me dressed up as Reese, and uh, even to this day, I'm still a big fan of him. All right, thanks a lot, and uh, again... Uh, check out uh, Generation X Wing podcast, and uh, there you go. Thanks a lot. Hi, I'm Jesse. I'm Stardust Legacy on Twitter, and I'm so uh, delighted that Kate asked me to record some of my favorite or one of my favorite Star Wars memories. She asked me for one, but I'm actually going to give you two. So, by the way, spoiler alert. Um, the first one is really my first kind of origin Star Wars experience. Um. I have to admit it in order to tell this story. I am old enough to have seen Star Wars in the theater when it first came out. And it was in fact called Star Wars. It was not called A New Hope, that came later. Um, My grandma took me. And while I'm not absolutely positive that it was the first movie I ever saw in the theater, um, it's certainly the first one that made a big impression on me. Um, So, it's the first movie that made me really feel like I was there and like the story was meaningful to me. And I think a lot of that came from the beautiful visual effects as well as the storytelling and also the sound. Um, Whenever I talk about my earliest Star Wars memories and for some reason in my life that seems to happen a fair amount, I'm always brought back to that sound of stormtrooper boots click, 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 click across the floor. And that's one of the most vivid memories I have. And it's just sort of the way Star Wars is. It sort of grabs you by all of your senses and draws you in. And there's never really any explaining. I don't think, I think a lot of us Star Wars fans spend a lot of time time trying to understand why Star Wars is so meaningful to us and we analyze it from uh, a lot of different directions which is super fun and wicked cool but I think in the final analysis it doesn't matter it's like the alchemy of it um, is 
is almost undescribable, even though we can define things about it that make it important to us. So I digress. Um, my my most amazing Star Wars movie moment was just being there and being able to be a part of that as a, lo- a young child, an embryo really, because you know I was that young, uh, not really. Um, and just having something like that that I could carry with me throughout my entire life. And it's like a continuity for me, that feeling of, of Star Wars being important and, and real on a certain level. Now, I went through a period of time in my teens and 20s where Star Wars wasn't front and center to me. I mean, I will call those my cool years. <laughs> yeah, both of them. Are. <laughs> and, um, and I was more interested in other things. But I never thought of Star Wars as something to just blow off. I never thought of it as campy or kitschy or a joke or that somebody that was into Star Wars was nerdy. Um, I never had like went through that that period of disdain or, or disinterest. And I came back to Star Wars um, much more strongly again in my 30s and um, and have really had a renaissance of my love for it and a deepening of my love for it, um, including the the books and the the, um, the comics and all of the other marvelous things, the conventions, everything that comes out of Star Wars to me is beautiful. And that brings me to my second sort of Star Wars memory. Um, and when I mentioned books, I got Catalyst, the uh, lead up book to Rogue One when it first came out. And I had such a thrill when I found out that the woman who would go on to steal the Death Star plans that set up that entire wonderful Star Wars stories as I knew it all through childhood was nicknamed Stardust. Which is really cool because my nickname has been Stardust for a long time. And um, the reason that my nickname is Stardust has to do with Star Wars, David Bowie, and Woody Allen. So Star Wars because Stardust has that sort of evocative feeling and it reminds me of what would be left behind when the star lines scattered when you come back in from being in hyperspace. I know that's not technically what it is, but that's how I've always envisioned it. It has to do with hyperspace and movement and the galaxy. Um, and then David Bowie because of Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars. And then Woody Allen for one of his early films, Stardust Memories. So when when I heard that her nickname was Stardust, I was over the moon because like that was just proof that I'm connected to this universe. And we all are. I mean, that's what's so great about Star Wars is that it's for everybody. And we're seeing more people of color, more people with maybe different ideas about who to have a relationship with and more female leads so it's an exciting and inclusive time for Star Wars and having been on the journey since 1977 it's an amazing amazing time to be a Star Wars fan for life thanks Kate for having me on This is Dennis Keithley and Darth Taxis from Starships, Sabres, and Scoundrels. And so Kate wants to know about some of our favorite Star Wars memories. So what do you have, Taxis? Boy, 40 years. Man, there's so many great memories. It's really hard to pick a single one. But, you know, I guess I should probably maybe focus them around a theme. You know, I think all my Star Wars memories that I really look back on fondly uh, have to do with... Uh, Waiting in line, believe it or not. Um, one of my earliest memories is standing in line to see A New Hope at the Mega Duplex Theater in Kingsville, Texas. And, uh, you know, fast forward a few uh, couple uh, decades. And when The Phantom Menace was released, um, that was a time that uh, my friends and I, we, we, we had a lot of experience standing in line overnight for tickets for concerts and such by that point. So... It was kind of old hat for us, and um, that's kind of what we really enjoyed is just hanging out and causing a ruckus and waiting for uh, the new Star Wars movie, you know. Uh, and I think I, I kind of take those feelings and uh, transfer them on to my experience with um, Celebration. And I think what I hear a lot of other people say as well is it's not necessarily seeing all the cool stuff and all the panels. It's the camaraderie and the, and the fun you have with your friends while you're doing it. 
And uh, so, yeah, that, that's kind of my uh, favorite Star Wars memories from the past 40 years. Yeah, I guess for me, um, I have different great memories from all the different phases of my life so far. And uh, but some of my earliest ones were you know, Star Wars was huge when I was a kid. Uh, it was the first movie I ever saw. And then uh, I had two younger brothers and we collected quite a few of the action figures and many of the toys and stuff. And whether we were setting those all up in the basement and creating some gigantic battle scene or we were each, each adapting a role and playing out in the backyard. Uh, you know, I was either usually Han Solo or Darth Vader. It was just, uh, you know, playing Star Wars with uh, my brothers and kids around the block. Um, you know, it just provided, you know, hours and hours of imagination that we could we could take from Star Wars. And it was always it was always there. And, yeah. uh, you know, those those movies were just so huge, uh, you know, during formative years from the time I was in kindergarten all the way up through third grade. And uh, always, uh, you know, that it was something that everyone had in common, that everyone knew something about. And, you know, it, it, when you were little, you didn't get all the politics and the and the themes and everything. But you got the light, the good guys versus the bad guys and the light side versus the dark side. And, uh, you know, your our bikes became speeder bikes as we'd uh, yeah. ride through the uh, park nearby. And, um, you know, we would set up uh, our own little version of the Millennium Falcon in the basement and, uh, you know, with couch cushions and whatnot and uh, use other toys for some of the controls and have our own adventures. And so for me, that yeah, that's some of my earliest and favorite memories of Star Wars. Well, that will do it. Again, I'm Dennis, and he's Taxus, and you can catch us on Starships, Sabers, and Scoundrels. Find us on Twitter, at SCubedPod. I'm at Darth Taxus, and Dennis is at DJKVER2. We're also on Facebook. Look for us there at facebook.com forward slash SCubedPod. And I'd be negligent if I didn't mention that we're also a proud member of the RetroZap Podcast Network family. Go check out RetroZap.com for anything between aliens and xenomorphs. I know that doesn't quite work, but you guys understand what I'm saying. Hello, this is James Floyd, uh, Jawa James on the internet, or at James Jawa on Twitter. Uh, here is my Star Wars story for the May the 4th episode. One of the best parts of Star Wars for me is all of the friendships that I have created through my love of Star Wars around the world, uh, just being connected to other fans. Um, I remember first getting online in the mid-90s and going on Usenet um, and making friends uh, on the rec.arts.sf.starwars boards, especially as I had gone to Hong Kong as an exchange student and just at the same time as the first wave of uh, the new Kenner figures was coming out in the 1995 and so I was able to connect those with collectors around the world. And from there it just kind of snowballed that uh, you know went to Celebration 2 and made friends waiting in line um, in the same panels that, that my good friend Laura ended up being in the same same lines I was in for the same panels and we ended up becoming good friends and uh, she introduced me to a lot of great people in the Star Wars community in Chicago. Um, you know, being on the force.net allowed me to make a lot of great friends with uh, fans all over the world that I got to visit them when I went to Prague, got to meet up with a bunch of Czech fans, uh, visited other fans in, in Paris on another trip. Um, so I think the, the great thing about Star Wars for me is that it just connected me with a lot of great people over the years, um, both you know locally in, in my area of San Diego, online, you know, talking to, to people, and then just seeing uh, so many familiar faces when I get together at celebrations and other Star Wars events that, you know, I'm always running into to people I know, and it's good to catch up with them. It's it's amazing thing going to a celebration and just going there for the friendships that that uh meeting meeting new people and reconnecting with old friends and catching up and you know sharing our, our love of star wars and all the great stuff that we get all right james floyd here with a second little bit uh another story that one of my earliest star wars memories was going to go see i think it was the empire strikes back with my dad and his cousin um, at a theater in, in San Diego, and I remember getting really tired or bored during the, the Dagobah scenes because, you know, I was probably like five at the time or six maybe. Um, 
and using that time to, to go out and go to the restroom, which was like up the stairs in this theater. And that's probably my, my first Star Wars movie watching experience memory um, as a kid. But I had a lot of the vintage figures, especially um, Empire Strikes Back era ones that, that I had like a, a lot of the Hoth figures and Yoda um, also had, you know, Greedo and Hammerhead and Walrus Man and a Landspeeder and then you know, I got a Tauntaun that had the slice open belly that, you know, you could put Luke in. Um, and then the biggest one I had was the, the Star Destroyer playset. And I always thought that the Emperor's hologram was red because the toy version had this little rectangle that slid down. And that was the uh, the, the Emperor's hologram. So I always thought it was red um, until I saw the movies again, of course. And then my other favorite one as a kid, my favorite Star Wars toy was the Droid Factory playset that had all these little tiny connectors and all these different parts to build all kinds of different droids, including a uh, you could build an R2 unit that had that third leg in the middle. But most of those little rubber connectors got sucked up by the vacuum cleaner over the ages. So... Um, that was that. And then, of course, in the, the 90s, I got into the books, uh, you know, with the Heir to the Empire books. But I also remember checking out uh, books from the library, even when I was younger, the, the Han Solo adventures and the Lando adventures from the library. But, yeah, I definitely got into the books in the 90s and eventually into the games and into the Star Wars card game uh, that led me going to Comic-Con. And then I stopped playing car the card game because Comic-Con had too many cool other Star Wars things there to see and do. Um, and then started getting connected into a larger fan community and got involved in my local uh, fan force chapter. Yeah, and eventually got all the way up to where I am now, which is uh, freelancing for StarWars.com. And so it's been an amazing adventure, and I'm really grateful to um, all the people that I've met along the way that uh, lots of fans uh, got me a fair share of uh, various Star Wars celebrities and authors and stars and stuff. And it is an amazing, amazing community. All right. May the force be with you. All right. James Floyd here with the third recording. Uh, we'll see what kind of random stuff I got here. Um, all right. Uh, three random Star Wars stories from James Floyd. Number one. Uh, one of the, the ways I knew that... Uh, my girlfriend at the time, my now wife of uh, more than 10 years, was was right for me is that uh, we had signed up for a class together at UCSD called Old Old Myths, New Films. And the uh, we had a project that we worked on together. And for our project, we may, retold some classic uh, stories using Star Wars action figures and photography, um, you know, kind of doing like little little, uh, I guess, photo comic scenes retelling different stories, and we made a website for that and uh, had a story of, uh, I think, Mace Windu being mad because he didn't have a really cool hat. Um, yeah, so, but hey, it worked out because, you know, I ended up marrying my, my partner on that project, so that's good. So that's story number one. Story number two, uh, Celebration Europe in Germany in 2013, I... Uh, had the opportunity to be working backstage at the main celebration stage hosted by Warwick Davis, who is a fantastic host and was a lot of fun to work with. And I would often help him uh, rehearse for various panels by like, here, James, stand here and I'll shoot uh, Nerf darts at you because that's what we'll, I need to block out how the stage will work for having the, the Boba Fett's fire Nerf darts at a target. And it's like, okay, here I am playing Nerf darts with Warwick Davis on stage at celebration. Um, but I also got a chance to meet Carrie Fisher, not quite. That that she was on the main stage there, and, and when she came in, you know, she was in her her dressing room preparing, and we knew that uh, you know we were to leave her alone. But she had asked for a coke with ice, and in Germany, this was the middle of a heat wave, and you know, in Germany they don't really believe in ice. So not only did we the the the, the catering at our area not have any soda, all we had was like mineral water and apple soda and no ice, um, really no refrigeration. So I had to run across to the hotel bar um, across the, the way that there was the, the main uh, hotel for the convention was kind of next door. And so I went there and had to buy uh, two Cokes and two glasses of ice and run them back over to the uh, Gruga Hall where the, the main celebration stage was and have them backstage for, for Carrie. 
Um, and then uh, as we're preparing for her show, uh, work had already gone on to, to do his opening bit to introduce her, and Carrie was just waiting in the wings. And she touched my hand just randomly. We were both watching the monitor. I think it was totally an accident as she was just stretching out along the, uh, the boxes of... Uh, AV equipment and such, but yep, that was my one experience with Carrie Fisher that that she touched my hand, even though we we never spoke to each other. All right, and story number three, um, very crazy. I had gotten into the Star Wars collectible card game when it came out in 1995, and um, ended up winning the local regional tournament uh in southern california the, the first year of the world championships where they flew everyone out to vale colorado because the uh, theme was going to be hoth as the the hoth expansion had just come out um, i did horribly in in the, the the first day of the world championships and got eliminated with so many other players and so we all decided to go out snowmobiling. So imagine just a whole bunch of uh, Star Wars fans all out on snowmobiles, out in the snow, in in you know on this mountain in Vale, having a blast, pretending we're on Hoth, uh, making tons and tons of uh, you know echo bass and wampa jokes. Um, you know, made some great friends on that trip, and I somehow lost my snowmobile. That I always joke that the card that got me into the World Championships was a card called uh, On the Edge. And then uh, you know, what, what knocked me out was, was a card called Off the Edge, where I kind of drove the snowmobile off of the main road into uh, the really, really deep fresh powder and just had to abandon the snowmobile until spring, the, the guide said. So, yeah, but Star Wars brought that to me. And, and, and you know, if Star Wars can take you snowmobiling or have you meet Carrie Fisher or maybe even know that the uh, person you're working on a class project with is the right one. Um, it can do a lot. So hooray, Star Wars. And last but not least, we're going to hear from Dan Brooks. So Dan Brooks is a senior writer and editor for StarWars.com. And I got to give him a special shout out because he's the one who gave me and my family a personalized tour of Lucasfilm. So that was amazing and I'm eternally grateful for that, Dan. But let's go ahead and hear Dan's Star Wars story and then you'll hear from me again at the end. Hey everybody, this is Dan Brooks from StarWars.com saying happy Star Wars Day. Um, I'd like to share uh, one of my many Star Wars memories. Um, and it's it's uh, actually kind of two, uh, a two-pronged memory. Um, one would be waiting in line outside the Ziegfeld for tickets to uh, the Phantom Menace. Uh, I camped out overnight. Uh, the Ziegfeld, by the way, is kind of a, a dearly departed um, classic movie theater in midtown Manhattan. And it was a beautiful theater, um, which seated hundreds of people. It had one screen. Uh, it had been there forever. And, uh, you know, when you went to see a movie there, the, the screen was behind like a beautiful red velvet curtain that would pull back. And it was just a really nice experience. So I'd actually uh, seen the special editions there in high school, all of them, which was a big deal to kind of go into the city from Staten Island when you were, uh, I think I was 16 years old. So when Phantom Menace came around, uh, me and my friends uh, decided that we would camp out for tickets because the Internet was kind of in its infancy then. So I somehow got permission to sleep out overnight on uh, a city street in New York. Uh, we had a makeshift, makeshift tent, and uh, it, was, it was just a great time. There were hundreds of people lined up, if not thousands. Um, and we, we got our tickets, and that would be kind of, you know, the first part of the memory. And the second part would be actually then getting to go to Phantom Menace on opening night, uh, which was... Um, just an incredible feeling and experience to be around that many people um, who love Star Wars as much as I did and to be with my friends um, and to get to see the movie, which I loved uh, and still love today. And it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, I was, uh, I was a teenager, um, hadn't, uh, well, I guess I was, um, I was in college at that point when Phantom Menace came out, but um, you know, it was still young enough and like a big thing to go out and do on your own. So it meant a lot to me in many ways. So I hope that wasn't too long winded 
and not completely uninteresting. But thank you for listening. And again, have a great Star Wars day and may the 4th be with you. All right. So thanks again, Dan. It was awesome. And be sure to stay tuned for the soon-to-come episode about ELO on Nerd of Paradise, which will feature Dan Brooks as well. So that's all the clips from this episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed them. And Star Wars, I'm sure you would agree, it's amazing. We all love our Star Wars. One thing I was finding as I went through this episode was it's hard to just pick one memory or story. And that's true in my case too. I'm sure maybe you've been wondering through this episode, what am I going to pick for my Star Wars story or memory? So it's hard to pick just one. So I think I might have to cheat like a few people on this episode did. But for sure, I just have to say that like last summer, just in general, can I choose a, a can I choose my European trip last summer for a Star Wars moment? I mean, I got to go to Skellig Michael and I got to go to Star Wars Celebration in London. So that was amazing. But like to pinpoint that even more, after I had climbed Skellig Michael on such an amazing adventure, I went back to my hotel that night and I watched The Force Awakens. And That was just an amazing moment to be able to watch it while I was there in Ireland. And that's something I'll never forget. As a runner-up, I think my interview with Tom Kane is up there. That was pretty amazing. I was still really getting my start podcasting. And it took a lot of courage just to go up to him and ask for an interview. And he was so nice about it. So that's definitely one of my favorite Star Wars memories. Um, I could go on and on, but I think I'll just choose those two for now. And I hope you guys all have an amazing Star Wars day, and may the Force be with you always.